Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who are enthroned upon the cherubim, shine forth. Before Ephraim and Benjamin and Manasseh, stir up your might and come save us. Restore us, O God, let your face shine, that we may be saved. Those are the first three verses of Psalm 80, which is the psalm appointed for today, Monday, May the 23rd, 2022. You're listening to Faith Seeking Understanding, and I'm your host, John Green. Thanks for being along today. Uh, we are um, in, in sort of the, the last countdown, the last two weeks of the season of Easter uh, as we head towards Pentecost. And so we, we switch it up. We're moving away from the Book of Wisdom today, and it's going to be it kind of different over the next few days with uh, the Old Testament lessons. So going to be in Deuteronomy today, Deuteronomy 8, uh, verses 1 to 10. feels like I comment on this one a lot for some reason. I don't know why that is. It's, it's something that God kind of pointed out to me years ago, this chapter. And um, for whatever reason, it's been something that kind of sticks in my heart and my head. So it feels like I comment on it a lot. Maybe I don't. I'm not really sure. I'd have to go back and kind of scan the lectionary and see if it comes up more often than, than it should. Anyway, so we are uh, looking at those 10 verses today, and it begins with the whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do. In other words, don't, don't just pick and choose the things that you want to obey. No, you've got to keep all these things. And remember the context for Deuteronomy, I always have to or I feel like I need to say this, is, is that it's Moses' valedictory address. This is, he knows he's not going into the promised land. He knows that he will soon die. And so what he's saying is the things that, that he thinks are the most important things to, 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 for exhortation and admonition to the people. <clears throat> so he's saying don't pick and choose here. The whole commandment, keep the whole commandment. And Jesus says uh, in his ministry that not a single jot and tittle will pass away. I mean, he's going to, to fulfill the whole thing in jots and tittles even. I mean, the smallest little fine points. Uh, he's going to do. And so he says, you be, here Moses says, be careful to do these things that you may live and multiply. If you'd like, I mean, there's, a, there's an if-then statement going on. If you'd like to live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers, then do the whole commandment that I command you today. So there's a cause and effect, you know, but it's, it's the, what they're looking for is this, and if you want that and you want the enjoyment of that, then you've got to do these things. That's how to read that. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness. So don't ever forget this. And the point of the festivals, several of them, in fact, is to remember this time. It's to remember the, the providence of God and the sovereignty of God over his people. And so it, he says, remember the whole way the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness. Why did he do this? That, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So these 40 years, what God's done is humbling them to see if, if even if he doesn't richly bless them, even if they just have their daily bread, will they keep his commandments or not? And we know that they kick against it sometimes, right? They, they complain because there's no meat. And so God says, you want meat? I'll give you meat. I'll give you so much meat, it'll be coming out of your nostrils, and then it makes them sick. So, so it's, it's, will they keep his commandments? Now, many of the commandments are not even going to be kept until you come into the land. Uh, so it, it, some of them don't even apply until you come in and possess the land. So, but, but he said there's a reason God had you these 40 years in the wilderness, to see if you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you didn't know, nor did your fathers know. 
Why? That he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone. Does that sound familiar? It's Jesus' response to the temptation of turning stones into bread. Nor did your fathers know that he might make you know that man doesn't live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Your clothing didn't wear out on you and your foot didn't swell these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a, um, a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. The writer of Hebrews picks up that idea too and, and says that everyone who is a son will be disciplined. And, and the, the master of the house, the father, cares about his children. And because he cares about his children, he has to discipline them when they go astray. And the reason is to bring them back to the way. So you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and by fearing him. And, and that is the way that we keep the commandments of God. We walk in his ways, we do the things that he says to do, and we fear him in the sense of we, we recognize his complete otherness, and we recognize his holiness and his zeal for his name and for his holiness. Those, those are all important things. We recognize that we serve a mighty God. And there can be triumphalism in that, but the reality is, is that, that we serve a God of righteousness and holiness, and, and we need to walk in his ways to be like him. <clears throat> so he says, For the Lord your God is bringing you into good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs, flowing out in the valleys and hills. I mean, how good would that sound to people that have been living in scarcity, especially scarcity of water and, and kind of constant fear of not having water all the time that they've been in the wilderness. And so he says there's water water everywhere, a land of wheat and barley. Oh, really? Instead of manna? Of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you'll lack nothing as opposed to where we've been the last 40 years. And for some of these people, that 40-year that period defines their entire life. They were born in the wilderness, and God blessed them and shepherded them during that time. And now he's bringing them into a place where they can have anything and everything they want, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper, and you shall eat and be full, and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. So there's, a, there's going to be a complete change of circumstance. Moses said we're going to go from a place of scarcity to a place of plenty. And, and he's aware, and you're going to see this tomorrow, that, that that's a, a temptation to the people. It, it's a very difficult thing to navigate going from, from being poor to being wealthy. It's the reason so many um, professional sports players ultimately, after they retire, lose everything. Sooner rather than later, they've grown up in environments where they didn't have much, and they don't know how to handle it when they do. It's true, not just of professional athletes, but, but it's easier to see there because they can collect statistics easier on them. And so it's easy to see that, that it affects them in a disproportionate way, maybe, because mostly because of, of the, circum, the change in circumstances, but also it's easier to aggregate statistics that way because, well, we've collected everybody we know to be in the class of people we're trying to study. It's very difficult to do that in other professions and in other ways. So, but it's important to remember the hardship and to, not to remember the hardship, but to remember that God sustained you during that, that time of difficulty. It's, it's important for all of us. If we've ever gone through difficult times, and we all will sooner or later, um, we need to remember how God shepherds us through that time and sustains us during that time. In the gospel today, there, there, um, 
Jesus it, it, taking a temperature check, essentially, of the disciples. He says, now it happened that he was praying alone. The disciples were with him. And he asked them, who do the crowds say that I am? And they answered, John the Baptist. But others say, Elijah, and others that one of the prophets of old has risen. And so there's the spirit of the, one of the prophets of old. They're, they're saying it's basically being recycled or reincarnated um, in Jesus. And so they're, they're, as, as I've told you before, there's this odd streak of sort of reincarnation of spirits in, um, in Judaism that, that, that exists and persists today even that, that you need to understand a little bit about. I mean, it's not something that you want to spend a lot of time on. But there, there's the belief that, that God sends the spirit, the spirit of the prophets is in him. And that's more than simply saying that, well, he's like one of the prophets. No, they're, they're actually saying here that, that spirits and souls are recycled. And so it's possible that people think these things. And with Elijah, you can understand a little bit better with Elijah because Elijah never died. And so if you could believe that Elijah doesn't have to come back to life because he never died, so he didn't pass through death. And, and then, then he said to them, but who do you say that I am? So we know what other people think. Now, what do you think? And, and Peter says the Christ of God. I mean, got it, right in one. Um, his wordle score is phenomenal. So the, the, Peter gets this right, but does Peter 100% believe that? And the answer we find out later is, is that, no, he really doesn't, because he will deny Jesus, and he'll also tell Jesus what it means to be the Son of God. <laughs> so the Christ of God means the smeared one or the anointed one, is what that word actually means, Christ. Um, so Jesus, after he says this, strictly com- charged and command them to tell this to no one, saying, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And we knew Peter takes objection to that because he doesn't see that. He doesn't read that in his Bible, <laughs> not the way he interprets Scripture, that he doesn't see what Jesus just said uh, lining up with what Peter confessed and so what's the problem here? Is it Peter's confession? No, he is the Christ of God. But it's what Peter means specifically by that confession that's wrong. And Jesus corrects it right there. Don't tell anybody this about me because they're not going to understand then, and neither will you, what's going to happen actually next. So Jesus said to all of them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. And so, you know, in thinking about it, what does it mean to deny yourself? It means that, that you take on a different agenda and a different mission for your life. There's something different that animates you rather than what animated you before that. And so what is your goal in life? I mean, what, what is my goal in life? Well, I mean, it's, it's to be a good father, it's to be a good son, it's to be a good brother, a good friend, a good husband, a good parent, a good, what, what, all those things. And, and that, that good word implies a whole lot of other things. I want to be a good provider for my family. I want to be this. I want to be that. Um, Jesus says you know, what we need to be focused on is actually the glory of God. And that's why in Matthew 6, he says, seek, seek first the kingdom of, his God, of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. And, and what he says is if you keep your eyes on the main thing and keep the main thing, the main thing, then everything else will fall into place behind it. So denying yourself and taking up your cross daily and following him means to set his agenda first in your life. It means that, that the most important thing of the day, the most important thing of every day, is him 
his kingdom, and his glory. And, and he says, if you do that, everything else will take care of itself. It'll fall in line around that. But, but when he says this here about taking up your cross daily, it, it, like to us, it makes perfect sense. We understand this metaphor entirely because we know about Jesus on the cross, and we know that Jesus was resurrected from the dead. The disciples don't know this. That This had to have been one of the strangest metaphors they had ever heard in their entire lives. For Jesus to talk about taking up your cross it is barbaric to even think about such a thing. He says, for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. And that's a promise. It's a promise that's tied to the commandment as clearly as everything that Moses said. If you keep, if you would have this, then you must keep the commandments. And that's what this, this how to read these two sentences. Whoever saves his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. What does that mean? Well, what it means is you've got to deny yourself and take up your cross daily and follow Jesus. So if you want to save your life, that's how you would do it. You lose your life for the sake of Jesus. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? In other words, what are you seeking? Are you seeking an earthly kingdom or a heavenly kingdom? And that's exactly what he means by that. What does it mean if he gains? What does it profit if a man gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? You can't take it with you, is what he's saying. It doesn't transfer into eternity. Your wealth, your whatever, doesn't transfer into eternity. It's no promise of eternal life. And, and uh, later in Luke's gospel, actually, he's going to tell the story of the rich man and Lazarus, and he's going to point out that the rich man might have been rich in the world, but he is no longer wealthy. He is in hell. While Lazarus, the poor man begging at his gate that he overlooked every single day, has everything now for eternity. Whoever's ashamed of me and of my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory, in the glory of the Father and the holy angels. So think about that for a second, right? I mean, <laughs> that's a pretty strong statement. It's a pretty straight-up statement, too. There's, there's no way you can wiggle around that and, and, and weave that into some sort of way of, of having your cake and eating it, too. He said, but I tell you truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. And so what does it mean to see the kingdom of God? It means to see the resurrection of Jesus. It means, means that the establishment of the kingdom is coming through him, and then it's coming through the apostles. And they're going to see the, the inbreaking of the kingdom into this place, this earth, because we continue to pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And it's important and imperative that we not only pray for that, but that we work for that. And how do we work for that? By denying ourselves and following him. And in the epistle today, we, we come into James, and, and James is not a controversial uh, epistle, but in, in most ways, but in some ways it, it can be a very controversial epistle because it, it, it seems to be works-based, but that is certainly not the point of James at all. It's, called, it's always a call to faith. He says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes in the dispersion. So he's writing specifically to a Jewish audience. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. You know, that we're never taught any longer to count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds, we know that that's, those are considered anomalies and they're considered things that are not supposed to happen to Christians. We're supposed to have a li live a blessed and perfect life, right? I mean, that's, I hear that preached. But that's not at all what Jesus promised, and that's not at all what he says. And, and so James is not promising anything different from what Jesus did. I mean, Jesus says you're going to have difficulties. And, and 
James said, when you do, and you will, then count it all joy, because you know that that testing will produce steadfastness, this perseverance that we need. That means, no, I've seen that. I've done that. You've run at me in that way before. I'm going to stand in Jesus. I'm not going to allow fear to take over my life. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Well, I would really like to be perfect and complete. Man, that sounds better than anything you could ever say to me or promise me. I would like to be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And, and that's exactly what we're supposed to be, so long as we stand in times of trial and don't fall to temptation. He says, if, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. And he's basing that in, in his own experience. He's also basing it in the experience of Solomon. When Solomon was given an option of what to ask for, did he want riches? Did he want wealth? Did he want wives? Did he want What did he want? He wanted wisdom. And God was pleased to grant him that request because he asked for the right thing. And then what happens after that? God says, because you asked for this, you're going to get it. But because you asked for this, rather than all these other things, you're going to get all those thrown into the same package. And, and the problem is that as soon as you say something like that, it, not just you, but me, I begin to think about those things. <laughs> all the other things are actually the most important thing. It spo- exposes my heart. And so I need to deal with that. And I'm not condemned by saying that, but it just exposes me that, that my, my desires haven't been purified, that I still desire those things more. So, but let him ask in faith, he says, for wisdom, with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that's driven and tossed by the wind. For the person, that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Does that mean that you should have that same sort of faith in every request that you make of God. No, it, it means you take you know that wisdom is something God desires to give. So ask that for that with perfect faith because you know in every occasion it's what God wants you to have is wisdom. Everything else whole with an open hand like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego did. You know, our God is able to deliver us from this fiery furnace, O king. But if not, it doesn't make him less a God. I don't know what his will is in this circumstance. And so that's the way we need to to approach the throne. You know, pray with boldness and faith when you ask for anything you know God wants to give his children. And pray with humility for everything else. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation. He says, see things rightly. See things the way God sees them. And it's the same thing you'll see in, uh, in one of the letters to the churches in Revelation where, where he talks about you think that you're, you have all this. You think you have it made. But from my perspective, you're wretched, poor, pitiable, and blind. So it, be careful to see yourselves rightly. Don't see yourselves as, as either poor or rich. No, let your exaltation be in him, and let your humiliation be in him. Because like a flower of the grass, he'll pass away, for the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flower falls and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. And this is an Ecclesiastes moment here, right? So that's what he's saying is, is just that, that, hey, don't put your trust and your faith in all these other things because they pass away just like you're gonna. So keep things 
Right, keep the main thing the main thing. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he'll receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he's tempted, I'm being tempted by God, for God can't be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. It's the similar thing to ascribing the work of the Holy Spirit to Satan. God doesn't tempt anybody. It's not his role or job to tempt anybody. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. He says those, those things come from inside you. When you're tempted to do these things, it's because those are the things you really want. Those are your, your um, summum bonum, your highest good. And you prove that when you fall to temptation. You'd rather have that than him. Then desire, when it's conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. In contrast to what he has said at the beginning, which is counted all joy when you meet temptations of various kinds, so you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And he says when you're tempted and you desire things, it gives birth to sin, which then brings forth death. So he's pr- proposing for his people the same um, bargain that Moses proposed with the people and the same bargain that Joshua proposed for the people, which is you, you got to choose today either life or death. It's the same thing that Elijah proposed to him. It's the same thing that Jesus proposes every single day. You're going to choose life or you're going to choose death. Well, let's choose wisely today.